Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 321. Nope. No, 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 thank you. No way in heck. Those are just a few options you could use to turn down an opportunity that doesn't quite align or interest you. But today's guest is an expert in setting boundaries and saying no lovingly. Saying no with love? Like, what does that even sound like? Dara Brustein is an educator, coach, entrepreneur, and she's an expert in lifestyle design. Her coaching is centered on the motto, design your life, build a business to fund it, and a network to support it. I mean, I love that. And this episode is focused on that first part, designing your life by filling it with the right opportunities and learning how to set boundaries and say no to the ones that simply just don't align. I like to think I'm pretty good at setting boundaries and saying no. Actually, my calendar this year is as empty as it's ever been. But Dara's template for saying no that she developed after getting rejected from Brene Brown is something I am so ready to steal for my own life and my business. Are you ready for it? Here we go. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru, Jenna Kutcher, will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Gold Digger. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free at Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger 2. Thanks to Everly Well for supporting Gold Digger. Everly Well is a health and wellness company that provides at-home lab testing kits and digital results within just days. For a limited time, get 25% off an Everly Well at-home lab test by going to everlywell.com slash golddigger25. Enter the promo code golddigger25. Okay, Dara, I know that it's not going to be your birthday when this episode airs, but the fact that I get to spend your birthday with you makes me feel so special. So thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you. I told your producer that this is the biggest birthday gift to me. So I'm happy to spend this time getting to know you and building our friendship on air. I'm so excited. And you know, what's kind of crazy is I feel like when you have a birthday, it's like this pause, like this, like pause of reflection. And, and especially now being a mom, I look at time in such a different way because as adults, we don't really measure our progress month by month, but more year by year. And so having a baby this year, I've like noticed like every month is new. Every month is changed. So let's reflect together on this last year, but also what's next for you. I'm so excited. Yes. Thank you. Okay, so let's just start and dive in a bit to your backstory, because if people Google you, I mean, there are like pictures of you with these amazing people, Shaquille O'Neal, Deepak Chopra, like, what? Have you always been friends with people like this? And how did this come to be? Well, unsurprisingly, I hope the answer is no. (laughs) Pretty basic beginnings. So 
the short answer is no. And the longer answer is that you know, I grew up in the Northeast in Philadelphia and Baltimore, and I was raised in a fairly traditional way. My mom was a lifelong entrepreneur and my dad was in the financial services world. I'm a twin. So it's also his birthday today. Shout out to him. And oh, we have an older brother. It. And we just sort of had these really standard values and traditional metrics of success. And as I started to drive hard after them, I found myself on this path that felt really misaligned. So fast forward, I moved to Atlanta to go to college. I studied religion and Italian. And I'm thinking, what in the world am I going to do with these degrees? <laughs> Everyone kept asking me, were you going to be the first female Jewish pope? And I thought, well, hilarious and obviously inaccurate. So I graduated and I thought, well, not even my career counselors know what I should do. They said, oh, well, Kenneth Cole happened to graduate from the same school you did. Why don't you talk to him? And I was like, well, that's interesting. Just because I like fashion doesn't mean like Kenneth Cole is going to have all the answers. But at the time, the right. only advice that seemed resonant to me whatsoever was follow your passion and that's where the money will come. And that's what you do with your life. And being 22 years old with this degree and this big world in front of me in 2006, I looked around and I thought, well, the only thing I know I'm passionate about at this stage is fashion. So I said, I'm going to make a career around it. Mm -hmm. And I guess fortunately in the sense that I learned pretty quickly that sometimes your hobbies don't make the best careers. Not always, but for me at least. Yeah. I came to this realization when I got laid off a year and a half into the business. This was also three months after buying my first home, which happened in duress. I had a restraining order against my landlord. Things were not going the way they were. So I paused for a second. And I thought, well, what was this fable that everyone had told me of go to school, get good grades, yeah. get the job, check the boxes happily ever after. And so far, it's not turning out that way. You know, I went to school, I got the grades, I got the job, the job went away. The house has a potential <laughs> foreclosure in front of it. I got this restraining order, like things aren't looking so dandy. So I kept going and I thought, okay, well, maybe this just wasn't for me. And so I got a couple other jobs and lo and behold, in the next two years, I got let go from both of those jobs because this was now in the 2007 to 2009 era, right during the heart of the recession. So at this point, I became clearly aware of the fact that the universe sends you signals. And at this point, the universe is sending <laughs> yes. me not just little pebbles, but it's sending me giant boulders saying, get your shit together. I hope I can say curse words because they come out. <laughs> yep. Perfect. So we'll it's telling me out. get your like stuff it. together because this isn't for you. And other people's definitions of success don't have to be yours. And this is our, our being the universe's way of telling you that if you keep going down this traditional path, you're going to keep banging your head against the wall and maybe you'll check some of the metrics off. But ultimately, this is not your calling, which becomes a bit of a scary place when you're 25 years old at the time, you've suffered layoffs, your friends are running laps around you professionally, they seem to have clear direction and focus. And I felt like I was floundering and like I was never going to make something of myself Add to that the fact that I've always struggled with what I call my Achilles heel, which is that you aren't good enough mantra that played over and over and over in my head until this moment where I thought, well, what did I want to do when I was a kid? What are the things that people come to me for? What sparks jealousy in me, which means that I want that because I see it in someone else? What is it that makes me want to get up every day, do something about it? What angers me in this world that I want to help make better? Like, started paying attention to those cues. And that helped me to realize that when I was a kid, I was in the sun porch of my parents' house on a horse farm outside of Philadelphia, selling random stuff that I was making to my parents' friends because I always was a little entrepreneur. I was going door to door selling my gift paper wrap school fundraiser for me and then for my brother at the next door and then for me and then for my brother again because he was afraid to do it. And I realized that I had it in me, but that I had let society tell me that I was just this entitled millennial who needed to wait her turn climb the ladder and learn from everyone else before I could trust my own instincts enough to do for myself. So to answer your question, I was nowhere near a Deepak Chopra, a Jillian Michaels, a Shaq, like any of these people that I now collaborate with because I was going through my process. And even still, I'm still in process, but it took me a really long time to even get to that point, which was now 11 years ago, where I even began to say there's something else for me. So what exactly did you take like your experience and process? And then how did you create a business around it? Because I loved what you said earlier, where like sometimes the things we're passionate about don't always make the best businesses. So what did you find was like the shoe that actually fit? 
So I'm glad you picked up on that because the irony is I've started four businesses and I currently still run them all. And the first one I started with my twin brother and he came to me and he said, Hey, I want to start a credit card processing company of all things. (laughs) And my initial reaction, I laughed in his face and I said, well, it was by phone because we haven't lived in the same place since we're 18. But I said to him, how dare you insult me like that? Have you not seen all these sexy industries I've been working in? Why in the world would I want to work in credit card processing? And I hung up the phone. And then I called him back about 12 hours later. And I said, you know what? That was my ego talking. That's really silly because what I learned is that often these sexy things are not the things that actually matter and actually move the needle and actually stay in the game when things get tough and the economies collapse. And so I thought, let me at least give this a chance. And so what I learned through that experience is that you can reverse engineer the stuff that you enjoy and you're great at into the thing that you want to do for your business. And so while I was fortunate that my brother came to me with the idea, I know from a lot of the folks who I talk to that finding the idea for your business can be a really big challenge. You can look for these cues. So for me, working with people every day and learning about a diverse array of industries and helping people's bottom line were all things that I got to do through this business. And then even on the practical logistical level, got to make my own schedule and wear whatever I wanted and not be stuck in a commute. Those were all really important things for me that helped me feel energized and all were what was going on in this business, but I didn't know it at the time. So I basically took my deductive hat and I said, well, why don't I go back to all of the fashion businesses that I worked with, all the retailers and department stores who were my clients back in the day in the fashion world and see what their experience was like in this industry. And I didn't have to raise my hand to the world because I think this is something that a lot of people trip up on. They think, if I'm going to make a decision to do something in business, I have to tell everyone, I have to plant my flag in the ground, I have to put my entire reputation behind it when really I did the opposite. I just started having informational conversations with people, finding out what worked and what didn't, seeing if it might fit and be a match for them and for me, and then just started putting the idea out there and asking people if I could help them, if it would be something they would want. And it helped me dip my toe into the business before I publicly proclaimed it. I love that. And what I think is so interesting, what you say is like design your life and then build a business to fund it. It was funny because I was answering an interview question this morning and it was like, tell me about like your mistakes that you've made. And I was like laughed because I was like, well, how much room do we have to type this up? But what I think happens so often is that people create this business to try to design their life. And pretty soon the business is running them and all of a sudden they're burnt out. And the thing that they were passionate about now becomes this like awful thing that, you know, they just associate with work. And it's like this entire like backwards thing. I feel like your gift Dara, has to be like reverse engineering. Do you agree? Thank you for saying that. And I do. And I love that you have that same methodology because what I learned both through working for other people and then in building my first two businesses, and I'm going to brag for a second because I think one, as women, we don't do a good job of patting ourselves on the back. And two, it's important to give context that I grew the credit card processing company into 38 states, but I did it after two embezzlements losing a whale of a client who was 80% of our revenue, a ton of insecurity, a ton of challenge, literally going back to revenue zero multiple times through the course of that 10 years and grew a networking events company to 30,000 people in multiple US cities. So through that process, I realized that I had completely embodied the hustle, grind, burnout mentality that culturally is so pervasive. And I thought, I have no value if my business isn't successful. My entire identity was tied to that. I thought if I'm not working then my business can't be successful and therefore I'm not going to survive. I was afraid to check my bank account. Like all of these things were perpetuating. And it was this scarcity mindset rather than an abundance mindset of there is enough. And even though there's competition, it's okay. And if you keep thinking there's going to be little, there will continue to be little. When I started to recognize that, I started to do experiments. So much like you say about reverse engineering, I started to think, well, what is it that I actually value? What is it I say are my priorities? But what am I actually doing with my time and how is it being spent? Because if you do a time audit for yourself, you will see (laughs) transparently what you value versus what you say you value. So for me, I said I valued learning and growing. I said I valued connection and human relationship. I said I valued giving of my gifts to this world full out. I said I valued travel, which was a real extension of the growth and learning part. 
I was doing absolutely none of those things. I was saying no to every invitation. I was canceling anything that cost a dollar or more. I wasn't participating. All I was doing was sitting at home, feeling sorry for myself and trying to make more money. And I was struggling the entire time. And so I sat down when I was 23 years old for the first time. And I thought, if I could dream and fantasize what my life looks like 10 years from now, what would that be? And I went no holds barred. Everything from health, wealth, friendships, love, business, money, you name it, every arena. And then the next step I think was really important that I don't hear a lot of people do because we often have this idea in our head that more is always better, bigger is always better. And therefore the number we need is this always moving target that some gargantuan number, like it's $10 million, it's $100 million, it's some random number that is arbitrary. So I took this list and I put a price tag next to each of the things, even when things were intangible, like for example, be at the milestones of the people who I love. And while that's not in direct science, I thought, well, what does it take for me to free up my time to do that? And how much does it cost to travel to do those things, for example, or for me, get a cat and have a hammock. Those were two things on my list at age 23. <laughs> check and check. <laughs> Succeeded. So. <laughs> so I made this list. I put the price tags on it and at 23, looking at out to 33, which is now three years in my rearview mirror, I looked at it and I said, the total tally for this is 120,000 US dollars. And I was amazed because at the time I was only making $37,000 a year. But the chasm between those two numbers was way more approachable and way more doable than I ever thought it could be. And it gave me so much wind in my sails to realize, okay, now I can truly reverse engineer. So here's where it gets super nitty gritty for business owners. My credit card processing company, I knew that every client averaged $40 a month in residual ongoing revenue. So by knowing that, I thought if I were to bring in, let's say, 10 clients a month at $40 a month in revenue, that's $400 a month. And then every month that compounds, how many months would it take me and how many years to get to $120,000? And then I was able to say, okay, X number of years from now, that's the goal. And like anything, nothing is linear. You have ups and you have downs and you have months that are better and months that are worse. But it gave me a real step-by-step path so that it didn't just live in my mind as this beautiful fantasy. And don't get me wrong, I can get as woo-woo as they come. The fantasy and the imagination are critical. Without being able to envision it, it's very hard to create it. Also, though, there's many things we create that we didn't envision because our energy is ruminating in a way that brings it to us, which going back to Deepak, I'll tell you a great story about that being one of them. But in so doing, I was able to then ride the ups and downs and even map out in my schedule every day, okay, I need to do this many prospecting calls. I need to go to this many networking events. I need to do X, Y, and Z to reverse engineer the process. I love that so much. And I think what's so important is... So many people are almost just like walking aimlessly through life. You know, it's like, you know, I don't have time to call my grandma, but I have time to watch Netflix and I don't have time to devote to learning email marketing, but I have time to go get a manicure or whatever that looks like. And what I think is so important and something that I have found now in my 30s specifically is defining enough. Like, because like you said, if we are looking and chasing these like arbitrary numbers or these these vanity metrics, like we're just going to keep moving the rungs of the ladder up. And pretty soon we're going to find ourselves on that ladder claim that we tried to escape so much out of a corporate job, you know? And so it's like such a beautiful idea to one, like actually sit down and reverse engineer and say, what would this take? And am I willing to do the work that it's going to take to hit that? Or am I willing to adjust that vision? And I, oh, I just love that so, so much. Okay. Tell me the Deepak story because now I'm like, like dying. (laughs) Thank you. So the Deepak one is a great example that for the longest time I knew. So actually I mentioned in passing that I have four businesses and each one of them has sort of been this natural new generation of there was some sort of external factor, some sort of internal intuitive hit that told me that it was time to do the next thing. In some cases, not even make businesses, but they turned into them. So with Deepak, about two years ago, I had had this, like I said, deep intuitive hit. I was on a retreat in Italy and it kept saying to me, okay, it's really cool that you've been able to finally enjoy the fruits of all your labor all these past eight years in running your businesses, but now it's time to do another one. And there's going to be a new incarnation of your career and you got to figure out what it is because it's about time. And I kept being like, eh, not really. I'm just going to enjoy this and you know, sip my drink here in Italy and wherever else that I'm finally traveling 50% of the time like I'd always intended to. 
And yet this voice wouldn't go away in this inner knowing. We all know that gut feeling that just won't leave. And so I started unpacking it. I spent about six months doing a lot of deep diving and internal reflection and using people in my network as mirrors. I actually have an exercise on this. It's called the nine questions to ask your network to help you find your path, which people can grab on my website. It's totally free and it's a totally powerful way to get clarity and see things in yourself that you take for granted because the things that come easily to you are so often the things that are your gifts, but we take them for granted because they come so easily, but other people can reflect that to you as well as other things. Like some of the questions are, what's something you wish for me in the next year? What's something you know about me that I don't know about myself? Or when am I at my best? And when am I at my worst? Things like that. So I went and did things like this. And it finally occurred to me that the number one question that people were asking me wasn't what it used to be, but it was, how do you live the life that you do? And what people really meant when they came to it was, I don't want to live an identical life to you, but they recognized that I had built four businesses in four completely different industries, that I was you know, getting to be in rooms that were very hard to approach, like Davos and the UN and TED and all these places, and that I was living this life that was full and integrated and whole. You know, I was in a relationship. Now I'm engaged. I was traveling, like I said, 50% of the time. And they were like, how are you doing this? Because this is not the bill of goods we're being sold in our jobs, in in our businesses. What is this? And as a lifelong learner, it didn't occur to me that I had been collecting resources. I had been developing relationships that had been helping me through this journey and that I'd been using my own life as a testing ground for this the whole time. So the light bulb finally went off. And I said to myself, I already wrote one book and it's a really masochistic endeavor, but I think this is what I need to do. I think I need to go and teach this. And I think the best way, because I love writing, is to write another book. And I'm a believer that when you know that you're in the right place is when things line up and the dominoes start to fall. And I kid you not, Jenna, within six days, I had five literary agents reaching out to me asking if I wanted to work with them, which was the opposite of the effect of the children's book that I had written about six years before that. So I thought, okay, I guess I'm on the right path. So one of the things that I learned, and you probably know a lot about this from your world in online marketing and other marketing skills that you have is that when you put anything out in the world, if no one's listening, it doesn't matter. And I learned that through my kid's book. So I thought, well, as I'm writing this book, it's going to be really important to grow an audience, get to know them, understand what their needs are, and how I can help serve them and speak to them in a way that really connects both authentically to me and to them. So I thought, how am I going to do that? And I said, I'm going to throw a virtual summit, which was something I had... This, at the time, people weren't really doing them. I had never been to one. I certainly had never thrown one. And I said in my mind... The person I want to keynote this is Deepak Chopra. I did not know Deepak. Deepak is what I call a mentor from afar, someone whom yeah. you've never met, but you ingest their content, much like your audience does with your podcast and all of your wonderful teachings. And I put it out there. I just thought, well, let's see what happens. And I put out a press release and I got hundreds of responses for people who wanted to speak in this summit. And I kid you not, I'm scrolling through and I see Deepak Chopra's name. And I was like, who is playing a prank on me? This cannot be real. So I respond to the publicist and they're like, yeah, we're Deepak's team. Who else is doing the summit? And I was like, well, Adam Grant's doing it and Jensen Chero's doing it. And I'm talking to some other people and they're like, okay, great. Let us know who else is doing it. And I was like, ooh, they're not impressed yet. So I was like, this is real. So I reached out to my friend, Rebecca, whom I'd met years before at an event in Detroit and at the time, I didn't know because I am all about relationships and I'm all about developing relationships, not on what you can get, but what you can give and not about who someone is in their title, but who they truly are as a person. So I met Rebecca and we just hit it off. And I came to learn through our ongoing friendship that she historically was Deepak COO. And I, most people would think, <laughs> okay, you should have just gone to Rebecca first. But I didn't because yeah. as you yeah. know, I'm sure people come to you all the time wanting something. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to take advantage of this really precious relationship. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to try on my own first. So at this point in time, I, I texted Rebecca and I said, hey, Rebecca, you'll never believe it. Here's where I am. If it doesn't feel out of line and you feel comfortable doing it, if you could just tell Deepak that I'm legit and this is something that you'd suggest he does, it would mean the world to me. 15 minutes later, she sends me a screenshot of this text message to him. And about 30 minutes later, I have an email in my inbox saying, hey, Dara, can you be in New York next week to interview Deepak Chopra? And my jaw is on the floor. I'm thinking, I have never interviewed a human before, let alone Deepak Chopra. And I'm about to go throw myself into the deep end of the pool and do this. <laughs> so I get to New York. We do this interview. I literally felt like I was in a dream. And somehow or another, we spark this friendship. And 
as luck would have it, Chase hired me three months after that to interview Cam Newton and Damon John and Deepak at their event. And I'm thinking three months later, I'm with Deepak again. And then he said, hey, will you interview my daughter? So now I'm building a relationship with his family. So a couple more interviews happened throughout the course of 2018. And at the end of 2018, this is a nugget. I think there's a lot of nuggets in here for people if you're dissecting them. This last nugget is it's the day after Christmas 2018. I say to myself, at this point, I've now had the pleasure of collaborating with a lot of high profile people. And I thought, I think it's most important that you reach out to people no matter their stature in the world and let them know that you appreciate them and that you're there for them in their corner if they need anything especially when you don't have anything to ask for. And so I did that to him and I did that to a bunch of people. I just said, hey, I'm here in your court if you need anything in the upcoming year or beyond. And shortly after he wrote me back and he said, yeah, actually, I think you can help make my work less esoteric. And I said, great, what do you mean? (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) Right, and he said, well, I don't know. What do you think? And I was like, me neither, but what if we started a video series and what if we called it Diving Deep with Deepak and every week we're going to make the deep relatable and translatable to people in a few minutes flat. And he said, great, except we're going to call it Diving Deep with Deepak and Dara and we're going to start in two weeks. Wow. And there we were. And, you know, it's a long story and I thank you all for staying in on that because I think there's so many lessons in there about giving, about long-term lens, about putting an idea into the world and letting it unfold, about holding loosely to the outcome and about not being afraid to put yourself out there and go for something big. Mm, I love it. I love it so much. And I think what's so important too is a lot of times we don't let ourselves go there. Like what is the big dream? What is the big vision? What is the life I want? And I feel like you are the epitome of like speaking those into existence, writing them onto paper. Like there's just so many things that I think, especially as women, I feel like a lot of times we don't feel like we deserve it or that it's yes. possible or that we're the ones to step into those roles. And so mm, I love it. <laughs> so good. There's so much more to talk about with Dara, but first I have to thank Skillshare for being a longtime supporter of Gold Digger. Skillshare is all the things I love, online learning, creative classes, and amazing resources for anyone who wants to grow in their creativity or learn new skills to uplevel their business. Maybe you want to get back into an old passion or learn something new. Maybe you have a one-year-old baby running around the house and you want to use those precious nap time hours to dig into some creative writing skills. Or maybe you've reached a roadblock in your business and you need an expert to walk you through some graphic design challenges. Whatever it is, build, fuel, and expand your creative fire with Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for the creator in all of us. They have thousands of classes in photography, creative writing, design, productivity, and so much more. Their classes are on demand so you can learn at your own pace. And if you need me, I'll be over here taking a 10-day journaling challenge course to start the new year with some new writing habits. Get inspired, join a class, and create something you'll love. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare and get two months for free when you sign up at Skillshare.com slash golddigger2. That's two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Head to Skillshare.com slash Golddigger2 to sign up. That's Skillshare.com slash Golddigger and the number two. Thank you to Everlywell for supporting this episode. Everlywell is making one more thing accessible from home. Well, actually, 35 things. Everlywell provides 35 at-home lab tests for things like metabolism, vitamin D, food sensitivity, heart health, and more. All test kits have easy-to-follow instructions. After collecting your sample from home at your own schedule, you send the sample back and it's processed in a certified lab. A board-certified physician reviews your results, and then they're sent directly to you digitally within just days. You can even share them with your own healthcare provider. Everlywell's digital platform helps break down what your results mean for you and how they may affect your health, as well as actionable insights into how to improve or maintain your levels. I ordered the food sensitivity test kit from Everlywell, and it was so great to complete the test at home without having to make an appointment at a doctor's office, pack up the baby, run into town, and disrupt my day just to figure out which foods might be causing me some issues. With Everlywell, you can also set up a free discussion with a healthcare professional through their platform. If you want to 
be more proactive and aware of your own health, check out EverlyWell's at-home test today. For a limited time, get 25% off an EverlyWell at-home lab test by going to everlywell.com slash golddigger25 and then entering the promo code golddigger25 at checkout. That's everlywell.com slash golddigger25 with the promo code golddigger25 for 25% off your test for a limited time. Okay, I want to know one of the things that really stood out to me about you, and I, I think it's just, it's a need, it's a need is boundaries. So let's talk about boundaries, because I think I'm pretty good at setting boundaries. My calendar has never been more empty. Like that was my dream this year was like black it out, have nothing that I have to show up for so that anywhere that you see me is because I want to. So I want to know, like, what does setting boundaries look like for you in your life and in your business? First of all, kudos. That's incredible. And I hope that everyone aspires to that because of (laughs) all the things to aspire to. Freedom of your time feels to me like the ultimate. Like, isn't that why we got into business in the first place to have freedom and flexibility, yet we so often let them overtake us and run our lives instead? So props to you. That's incredible. So for me, I hearkened a little bit to this earlier that I was letting everything run me. I really got into the hustle grind culture. I would take calls at 2 a.m. like in the credit card business. I'd have nightclub clients, for example, and they would be working on a Tuesday at 2 a.m. and something would go down on their credit card terminal and they would call me and I would answer because I felt like this is a commodity business and I promised you I'd be there for you. And even though you have 24-7 support... I promised and my word means everything to me. So here I am. And I drove myself into the ground with expectations that no one actually had for me, that I had completely created this narrative in my head and I let it drive me insane. And so I started again running experiments and I thought, well, what if I started taking three day weekends and traveling somewhere? Is the world going to fall apart and will everything crumble under me? And I thought, maybe it will and maybe it won't. So let's try. And I went away and I realized, great, it didn't fall apart. And maybe there's a system or two that I need to put into place. And I would put a system into place and then I would try again and I would go for four days and then I would build on that and build on that. And so a lot of it is not feeling like it's an all or nothing, but trying and seeing what really works. And just, again, taking inventory and stock of what's working for you. Another piece with boundaries, I think, is getting so clear on your priorities. So I talked before about my values and how I was actually spending my time and how misaligned those two things were. And so that was a really clear indicator for me of, well, I'm saying I value these things. So how do I start integrating them back into my life? Which is another important point that I'm not a believer in balance. I'm a believer in integration, that when we talk about balance, it almost feels like you can have this or you can have that. And here's the teeter-totter, and you get to choose how the two balance out. Whereas integration to me feels so much more holistic and natural, where it's, okay, I want to spend time with my friends, and I want to get some physical activity in, so we're going to go on a walk together. We're going to go to a yoga class together. Or I love to write, and I love to travel. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write on the airplane, and then I'm going to get exactly where I want to go and knock Mm -hmm. out that article or write in my book. So whatever those things are, bringing them together. So finding those ways. Another thing that's been really important from a boundaries perspective is understanding that no is an acceptable answer. Yes. Let's talk about this. This was a really hard one for me because I don't even consider myself a people pleaser. Like I am very direct. I'm a Northeastern girl at heart. I'm not afraid to say what I mean and mean what I say. But saying no was still this ingrained thing in my mind that you're going to burn a bridge. You're going to miss an opportunity. Someone's not going to like you or it's going to be misconstrued. And I had to come to this place of recognizing that I can only control my actions and intentions and I can't control someone's reaction to it. This doesn't make us completely you know, written off of any complicitness that we have. It doesn't mean that you don't get to have any responsibility for the impact that your words have on people. But if you're coming from a true, authentic place of good intention, and your answer is no to someone's question, that that's acceptable. And so for me, I really hope that we as a group and all of the listeners can almost make a pact together that we will respect when people say no, because we want them to respect when we say no. And that every time someone asks you a question, There should be room for any answer because the question doesn't have a foregone conclusion. And same thing in reverse. So can I tell you a quick story about the best no I ever got and what I learned? Yes. 
So I know you had Marie Forleo on your podcast. We both interviewed her and she's incredible. So I was listening to her show maybe a couple of years ago when Brene Brown was on. And this was during a time where for fun, I had started this movement called Give It Forward. It's all about helping one person a day give to someone of their time, their resources, their connections of something with no strings attached. And the only string if they ask for one is that they give it forward to someone else and to do this once a day for 30 days or however long you choose. And it was truly one of the most joy-filled experiences I've ever had that helped me understand and appreciate what my own gifts were. And then I did it in a community with several hundred people who opted into it. So I'm listening to this show with Marie and Brene. And Brene talks about how the only thing that's going to change the world right now are a million acts of kindness. And I think, whoa, ding, ding, Brene is so on the same page as I am. Why don't I reach out to Brene? Again, me just saying, well, if I don't throw my hat in the ring, I'll never get a chance anyway. So might as well swing and at least try. So I send her this email. I explain it. I explain this is not a business. This is just a social movement. And it seems really aligned with what you're doing. And 48 hours later, I get a response from a woman named Teresa on her team that was truly the best incarnation and example for me of saying no gracefully and beautifully and in a way that I forever have learned from. So the email went something like, Dear Dara, thank you so much for reaching out and for watching Brene's interview with Marie Forleo. I love what you're doing with the Give It Forward movement. Unfortunately, right now, Brene is focused on three things, her family, her research and her teaching. And anything outside of that, she can't work on collaboratively or otherwise. We wish you the best of luck in all your endeavors. Sincerely, Teresa. And I kid you not, Jenna, I basically took this template and put it in my Mixmax in my email and made a no template for myself, which I suggest everyone does. (laughs) And it taught me that to say no, you don't have to say the word no. It taught me that you can be clear about what your priorities are while still being kind to someone. And it taught me that no is a beautiful and acceptable answer and that my priorities were not her priorities. Mm. I am like dying over this because this is something that we deal with every day, whether it's sponsorships or, you know, helping people raise funds for people like that are in need or like all of these beautiful causes where it's like, I am such a highly empathetic person, as are you, where Mm. it's like, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to save the world. I want to help I want to and it's like if we can stay aligned and this goes back to your beginning example of like writing down like what is your vision what does it look like it's so much easier to have a not to-do list than to have a to-do list. Like if my vision is to impact the masses, then answering DMs that say, can I pick your brain? Or I just have one quick question. Like they aren't in alignment and it's not a negative. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So answer me this question right now because I I love I love your thought process on this when people (laughs) land in your lovely DM folder you know the other one that you have to click over to see and they say Dara (laughs) I see that you know so and so how did you get that connection or Dara can I pick your brain on this one thing or I want to know how you got started or I want to know how you got this many followers how do you respond what do you do Yeah, this is a great question. And no matter if you are Jenna and you've got the world's eyeballs on you or you're me and the rest of us who do not, this comes because people are paying attention in a beautiful way to the work that you're doing in the world. I want to caveat that to say, don't let that stop you and create the fear of not doing the thing because people are actually not paying as much attention as you think, but they're paying attention to the stuff that matters to them. So disclaimer. (laughs) So when I get these messages, like I get these a lot through my Forbes articles or through the work with all these folks that people say exactly the things you're saying. So there's a lot of things here. One, I want to talk about pick your brain. First, I think it's a saying that we should eradicate. You may or may not agree, but the reason is one, just visually, it's disgusting. Think about it. Like (laughs) you're picking my brain. No, not interested. I need that. I need that to operate and function. Second, we have to think about the presumption that often comes across that there's this expectancy of you have something and it is your intellectual property. And for people like you and me and many of the listeners, our intellectual property is our lifeline. It's how we make our living. So we give a ton away for free. And beyond that, it can be tough and it's a slippery slope. So when they're asking for more of your intellectual property, it's honestly no different than going and taking a physical product out of a store and taking it away because it's what you sell. So for me, it's all about intuition and it's all about making boundaries for myself, which is a theme right now, that if someone comes to me and they have a simple question and they come to me from a place that feels sincere, I will take the time to answer them. 
even if I don't have the time to answer them with a full answer, I will respond. I'm a believer in responding as much as you can, even if it's delegated out to someone on your team. If you have an assistant or an intern who can do that for you, I like the humanity of that. I don't like people to feel unseen and unheard. So oftentimes I think what happens is as the asker, we don't do our homework. So an example of this is Julie Agner Clark is the founder of Baby Einstein. She has been one of my business heroes for a really long time because Baby Einstein was a really similar model to what I hope to do with my kids book and beyond, which was about financial literacy for children. And I thought, well, Julie is the queen of this. I want to know her. And I spent an entire day many years ago online ingesting every bit of information I could find about her so that when I went to reach out to her coldly and blindly and make an ask of her time, it was very clear that I wasn't asking for something that I could have found in a Google search or by reading some interview that she had done. And in exchange for that, I basically said, hey, Julie, I've spent a lot of time researching and I couldn't find an answer to this specific question. If you would be so kind as to take a couple minutes and just respond via email, it would mean the world to me. And here's why. And Julie wrote me back and she said, one better. Why don't we just get on the call? And we have spent collectively hours on the phone together because of that. And I think that the lesson in it is if when someone approaches you or when you want to approach someone, it's really important to do your homework. And it's really important to have a clear ask that is not Googleable or is not something that they feel like you're not respecting the time that it's going to take for them to invest in you. Whether it's you saying, hey, do you want to grab coffee or do you want to go to lunch or can you answer this question? Think about how it's coming off. Think about what you can do to position yourself in the best way. And you're not immune from adding value here either. There's definitely ways that you could say, hey, Jenna, I noticed this. Like I listened to the episode you had on LinkedIn and that the woman on that show went out of her way to help you redesign your LinkedIn page. Yes. Someone could easily say, listen, your yes. LinkedIn page is great, but there's a couple of things I'd love to help you with. Let me add value to you. And then you're thinking, well, great. Tell me about you. Yes. And then there's this natural reciprocity reflex that we have. And it's not a thing that we go out intending to manipulate, nor is it a thing like I'm a believer in Adam mm -hmm. Grant's framework around givers, matchers and takers. And I am a giver. You are a giver. I think givers win in the world. His studies show that givers win in the world. So it's not about doing it with the expectancy of I give. What are you giving me? I scratch your back. You scratch mine. But it's really about knowing that there's a yeah. karmic retribution and it's going to come back to you one way from someone somehow at some time when it's for you. So knowing that. So to your actual question, when someone comes into my inbox or my DMs, I will often send them an article or a link to one of my videos or interviews or say, you know what, who's actually really great at podcasting is Jenna. You should take her podcast lab and I'll send her to you or I'll just say, you know, I charge for that, actually, and I'm at capacity for my pro bono work right now. So my consultant fee is this amount an hour. And if that sounds great to you, then let me know and we can schedule a time. Or in other cases, I'll say this person I totally resonate with and I'm happy to just hop on a call with them or a hybrid. I'll say, how's 15 to 20 minutes on the yeah. phone? And if it feels like there's more, we can talk about setting up a formal consulting agreement. It's really up to you as the recipient of these, how you respond to them. But again, it really comes down to the boundaries and recognizing that you don't have to say yes to all of them and you can choose how, when and why. And that even if you have your own set of parameters, give yourself leniency to know that it's going to change and adjust based on the circumstances. Mm, so beautiful. And I think everything you said, it's just like, yes, because I think especially as women, and I don't know if it's something a way we're wired or what, but we always look at no as a negative. And I think no can be the most liberating word to add to your vocabulary and one that you can practice using. And have you taken the Enneagram? Yeah, it's been a long time though, so I can't remember my number. I was going to say, because a lot of us, I think, especially us that are like in the forefront in things, we have helper wings. Like we want to help. Like there is this deep desire to help and answer and, and assist and grow. And it's like, unless we're so clear, crystal clear on our vision of like how we want to impact the world, every yes that we say is essentially a bigger no towards that vision. And it, it took me so long to realize that even in alignment with, like you said at the beginning, when you're like, these are my values, but this is what my life is reflecting. And I realized like every yes I was saying to clients or more work or more income was equally a no to my husband and my marriage and family and time. And it's just like, it's so easy for women and entrepreneurs alike to get out of alignment and not even like realize that. And I just hope that 
as people are listening to you today, that they're almost taking a pause. Let's pretend like it's everyone's birthday since yes. it's Sarah's birthday. Let's <laughs> pretend like it's your birthday and you are invited to take a pause today and to kind of take an inventory of what are your values and, and what are your actions showing of those values? Like if someone were to watch your day unfold today, what would they assume your values were? Because I'm feeling convicted right now where I'm like, okay, well, I did get in a workout and I had breakfast with my daughter and like, but there's still things in my life where I'm like, "Mm -mm, Jenna, you're out of alignment. So how would you encourage someone? Let's say we're listening and they're like, oh man, like if you looked at my life today, it is not going in the direction that I think it's going. What kind of challenge would you offer to kind of get realigned towards that bigger vision? First, I want to build off what you were saying, that every time you are saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And every time you're saying yes to something that actually in your heart of hearts is a no, therefore it's feeling a little bit of resentment is building up in you. You're actually doing a disservice to whoever you said yes to, because you're likely not going to come at it wholly and fully. And you're probably better suited to create space for someone else who can. And that really goes back to the saying it in a graceful way. But so yes, take the inventory, take the stock and do this all with grace to yourself that we can't look at it and be like, well, I'm just going to throw in the towel because I'm so far out of alignment and out of whack like I was when I started my business that it just feels way too far out of reach for me. But it's like any practice or habit that if you pick one thing, like for me, working out and movement are the lowest priorities for me always. And this is coming from someone whose mom was a bodybuilder at one point in her adult life. Ridiculous. <laughs> so I finally got to this point where after I interviewed Jillian Michaels, I was like, oh, you have this incredible app that has custom high intensity interval training workouts as little as seven minutes for a full body. That's pretty hard for me to say no to. So I built it into my morning routine. And every morning in my bedroom, I roll out a yoga mat, I do the seven minutes and I go about my day. And it's because I value longevity and because I value health and well-being and a holistic nature that I had to do that check for myself and say, why aren't you doing this? Or for me, meditation is a really critical part of my mental well-being. And it's something that helped me not be so reactive and adrenals burned out and coming from a defensive place in my business. But there were many times where I was like, why am I not prioritizing this? I'm letting the to-do list overtake the thing that matters most, which is my personal health. And it's in those moments that you just give yourself the gentle nudge to say, okay, I don't have to commit to this forever, but tomorrow morning or right now, I'm going to take two minutes and I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to breathe. And that's enough. And that's it. And you can tiptoe and baby step your way into what you want. Because the other kind of macro level view picture here kind of goes back to the beginning that we are the creators of what our lives look like. And this has no inflection or interruption to any religious or spiritual beliefs. It's just simply that your ideas, your thoughts become your beliefs, which become your reality. So if you're telling yourself, well, it just has to be this way, or there isn't enough time, then of course there's not enough time. So how do you integrate things? How do you bucket things together? How do you find the places where you're wasting time? Do the audit, give yourself the grace and try. Mm. I want to do an audit today. I'm like, I'm going to pretend like it's my birthday too. And we're going to all hang out and go bowling tonight, which I love that that yes. is how you're spending your birthday night for the record. <laughs> Thank Feel you. free to invite me next year. I'm all in. But I I bowl through the legs. <laughs> so it's kind of embarrassing. So you just have to be prepared Adorable. for that. Um, but <laughs> what I think is so, so important is when I hear you speak... I hear such integrity because there's certainty. And I I just want to commend you on this in the sense of not that you know everything and you have it all figured out, but you are certain about what you want for your life. And as a woman, woman to woman, it is so refreshing to hear somebody just stand in their truth, no matter if it looks like mine or totally different. Because I think a lot of times as women, we're taught to shy away, like you said, or we're taught to not pat ourselves on the back or we're taught to play small. And I think you showing up in the way that you have and just sharing your story and your vision and the way that you process things and reverse engineer and stay in alignment and get back to alignment when you fall off the track, it gives us all permission to do the exact same. And I think that the foundation that your feet are set on today 
gives us permission to find what that looks like for us. So I just, I want to just commend you and say this next year of life is already starting off in a beautiful way. (laughs) But thank you. Like, thank you for showing up and just sharing all of this, because this is all messaging that we need to hear more of. I want to give anyone in the audience who is feeling like, well, that's good and dandy, but I don't feel that way. A little bit of hope to hear me say, and they probably heard you say similar things before, that I was not like this the whole time. I still struggle with this. I talked about the I'm not good enough thing that always ran through my head. I have just learned better coping mechanisms. I have learned that action is the real kryptonite to inaction and the real kryptonite to fear. So I have learned how to question those lies in my mind and look for data to prove or disprove them right or wrong. And all of those things are these little tools and tricks that have helped me move beyond it. And it's these simple practices that really are truly what makes the difference to help you get clear in your thing. And also the release, like I've mentioned this in little bits and pieces throughout the conversation, but it's worth saying very clearly that it's one thing to think you know what you want and get clear on it. But what's really important then is to release it. It's to move in the direction of what you want, but hold it lightly and let life happen to you. Like if I had said to you last year, I'm only doing these five things. And then Deepak said to me, do you want to have a show together? And I said, well, sorry, it's not on my five things list. And one of the things Deepak taught me, and I can, I'll create a page on my thing called dara.co slash Jenna, that'll have a lot of these resources. And there's this episode that Deepak and I did where he talks about his decision making and when he says yes and no. And this has always stuck with me because there's a lot of talk around the hell yes, and that's the only way I'll do it. And I think that's a tremendously flawed framework because as a human and as a professional, there's a lot in this life that we're going to have to do that doesn't feel like a hell yes, even though the choice that got us into the moments that feel more trudgy was a hell yes. Like anything that is that black and white to me feels like something we should explore and consider that maybe it's not that straightforward. So when I asked Deepak, how do you decide when to say yes or no, like, for example, to work with me, he said, I decide on three basic frameworks. One is the thing fun to do. Two, is the people or person I'm doing it with fun to be with? And three, is it of service to the world? And if it's yes to all three of them, then I will do it. And if it's not, then I won't. That's simple. Wow. That's like a mic drop moment right there. <laughs> I mean, try and hang out with Deepak. It's like every moment. You're like, that was very quotable. Let me write that down right. really fast. Or, uh, can you explain that again? I, that went way over my head. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dara. Where can everybody find you and connect with you and learn more from you and grow from you? You're very sweet to ask. So for my birthday, you can yes. visit me <laughs> on Instagram at Dara B. So it's D-A-R-R-A-H-B. Or like I said, on my website, and I'll make a special page with a lot of the stuff that I talked about today. It's Dara, D-A-R-R-A-H dot C-O slash Jenna, or just go to Dara dot C-O and you'll find it. Oh, thank you so much for spending your birthday with me. Thank you for dropping all this truth and just keeping it real. I'm so, so grateful for our conversation. Likewise. Thank you so much, Jenna. Oh, Dara, like that was so good. And I mean, what a joy to get to spend somebody's birthday with them. Like, I feel so honored. I just love the way that she approaches things. And and it really kind of gave me a gut check. I hope you felt it too, where it's like, if I were to list out my values, what's important to me, does today reflect that? I think that's like a, oh, I better double check those things and kind of a chance for us to get realigned, to take a pause and to really take inventory of the things we're saying yes to and what we maybe should be saying no to. I've learned this past year, especially as a new mom, that no is such a powerful, powerful statement. And it's not always negative. In fact, it's been incredibly positive for my life. I'm so thankful to have Dara and her wisdom on the show today. And I'm so grateful that you took the opportunity to tune in to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.